Well, welcome to Acoustic Alternatives. I'm John Bomarito. The show is supported by David Palmer, a realtor who's in the Detroit area, an associate broker realtor serving clients in the Detroit area. And you can find more about David at dcpalmer.com. And we're going to talk more about David in the middle of the show, but I am so grateful that he lets me do this because without him, I can't uh, have all the nice video that uh, Max is doing for us. And I can't bring in friends from out of town while they're in town to do a show for me and talk about a new album. Seth Clear is here and he's got a brand new album called The Coronation, which we're going to throw up on a little video there and uh, Seth it is so good to see you my friend it's good to be back good to be seen by you after <laughs> uh, after all this yeah no doubt good, about it good to be here and you brought an old friend with you as well we had uh, breakfast or lunch or whatever last time you guys were in town mm-hmm. yeah yes. this is Kelly Halloran Kelly welcome back thanks for having me my Kelly pleasure. and I went to high school together oh my goodness we've known each other a quite a, quite a long time I've got friends that fall into that category I love still connecting mm-hmm. with that you, know, you, you the basic thing about reunions when I talk about them with other people is you stay in touch with the people you want to stay in touch with. True. Mm. And there's Kelly. Yeah. Because you wanted to stay in touch with Kelly. Yeah. I don't know. I think we were both stalking each other at different <laughs> various points in our lives, too. Um, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the new album is fantastic. I am so glad I picked up a copy. And I would love to start before we get uh, deep into conversation with something from the album yeah, performed here. Of course. What would you like to do? Uh, this is called The Coronation. All right. Everyone, everyone. 
track from Seth Glear's new record, The Coronation, on Acoustic Alternatives, uh, available on Empress Records and available now because it came out like a month ago. I kind of lost track. Yeah, like three weeks ago. It's been a while. Yeah. So fantastic, yeah. fantastic new record. Thank uh, you. It did take a little while for me because you have not really stagnated and stayed in like one lane, which is great. <laughs> but it, it was like, oh, this is different. And so I kept like, like I had to filter it through. This is different through. This is Seth. I have, I think Seth is Seth doing something different. That's okay. Yeah. Album number eight, according to All Music. Is that true? According to All Music, there are two before The Trouble with People that I oh, don't own. The pre-puberty collection. Those are not um, available to me. It's gonna be another release. We're just gonna we're gonna box set I, that at some point. I want to track uh, those down. I don't, I don't I still want to hear what they sound like. I'm I'm curious. Oh, I'll um look in the garage. Uh you don't want to hear what they sound <laughs> Actually, like. I do. But um yeah, maybe I'll 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 send you a link to something. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my sixth on uh, Empress Records, and so we've been making albums together on that independent label for ten years, which is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty remarkable in yeah. this business. Um, I'm very grateful for their um, their support and um, uh, over over this whole this whole pandemic too. It's just been it's been really really great to have them as uh, as supporters and allowing me to make music. And yeah, you know, I've I've always. I mean, I first fell in love with blues music, and I was playing in. That's when I met my best friend Ryan Hummel, who mm -hmm. I first came to Ann Arbor with. And, yeah. um, so I've loved all kinds of different genres, and then on this album, having the time to really dive into some of the other production elements, um, I really approached this album from a production standpoint a bit like creating um, collages. I wanted to capture a lot of material and a lot of different kinds of instrumentation. And also in the last few years, I've um, had the luxury of being exposed to so many different kinds of um, international music through a cultural diplomacy program that I'm a part of with the State Department. Mm. So I, I would I would be uh, introduced to all of these different sounds and different instrumentations. And um, certainly on the coronation, we brought in uh, like a viola da gamba and a dan bao from Vietnam, and um, all these different kinds of kinds of instruments. And uh, it, I don't know, it, it it added to the the general sort of worldly spirit of the whole thing. It's a cool record for sure. Yeah, guest thank you. vocalists and all. I mean, there's there's some lot to talk about. We'll get we'll get back to it. I want to back up. I want to back up. She mentioned you've known Kelly since high school. Where did you grow up? Where did, where's where was home, or maybe it's still home? <laughs> yeah, I I well Kelly. Kelly and I both grew up in a small town called Shelburne Falls. Um, uh, the famous for the Bridge of Flowers, the town of about a thousand people, mm. and um, maybe it's like thirteen hundred now. But uh, uh, a lot of maple syrup farmers and um, apple apples apple orchards and apples for days. <laughs> uh, it's great. It was a great town to grow up. You still live there? Um, I do. I, I've moved about 50 minutes north to a town called Holyoke. My wife and I just bought a house right before the pandemic. Um, 
Massachusetts? In Massachusetts, yeah. So Western Massachusetts. And um, uh, it's great. It was, it was I, I really associate as, as a small town kid. And I, I've certainly benefited from the, um, uh, the protection and, and sort of the, the insular aspect of growing up in a, in a small town. And um, yeah, yeah. Were you two friends in high school because of music? Were you in like band together? We weren't entirely friends oh. in high. Well, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we were not. I hated we him. Just, actually, I was a jerk. No, I I'm was actually, a jerk. I'm a few mm. years older than Seth, and uh, you know that can be a lot of space in high school. Yeah. Right. Um, so we actually kind of became friends after we both graduated high school, and I moved to New York City, and we were both doing our individual music stuff, and you know cross collaborating and seeing each other at different shows and things. Yeah. Yeah. New York city was really where we became friends. And yeah. I think it was, I, I don't, yeah. High school was, there were, there were certain social parameters that didn't, uh, at one point I played a gig with you when I was like 16 at a coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> you were doing like gypsy fiddle stuff. Uh -huh. um, I remember <laughs> that being a highlight and also like, one of those experiences where I just got my butt kicked and I was like, Oh, I need to learn how to play piano. <laughs> <laughs> I have a band. To turn I don't remember to. that. I've, I remember, I, I'm sure you, you kicked ass on that gig. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you need to check out the previous podcast with a local band called the Ragbirds. And, oh, cool. and go back and explore some of their older material. If you like the Yeah, they're great. Yeah. 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 Definitely. You know them? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we shared rosters at, at, oh, at Fleming. That's right. And uh, so did a handful of things, that, but they're great. Cool. So when did music start for you then? It, if it wasn't in high school, when did it become your your main focus in life? Because it is, obviously. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I think it was September 11th where I wrote, uh, it was on September 11th, 2001, where I wrote my first song. Really? Um, that was the catalyst that um, uh, made me at least bring bring writing journaling and music together mm -hmm. and bringing bringing those things together um felt really really natural then and i i think i started taking it really seriously kind of right around that time um uh yeah how old were you then i was 12. okay and did you start piano i played i knew uh so <laughs> um I, I had this friend Sam L. Daly and and Sam uh, and I were in the woods and and we got in an argument and it, this is all innocent but you know I ended up getting shot with a BB gun oh. by Sam and his his mom worked with my mom and so they had to make you know it's really smooth things over and and the way that they smoothed things over was um coming by and giving me a Connect set and a Casio keyboard the one like a you know like a I don't know forty 42 key keyboard with the lights that light up those, yeah. and um and i learned like three or four chords a c a g an a minor and an f <laughs> which is about 80 percent of pop music and uh taught yourself uh yeah yeah and and youtube when i started playing blues um youtube videos were really awesome because i could find all <laughs> these dr john things and slow them down and learn the learn the licks and stuff like you can that slow down youtube videos oh how yeah I, how do i not know this yeah you can. Okay. It's great. You can also speed them up. Like, so if Obama's talking, <laughs> you can just, you can, I recommend Obama at about 1.5 speed. Just, there's a lot of pause. Talks a little slow for you. Yeah. 
So would you say that this incident is responsible for you pursuing music or is there like an individual that made you take it seriously? Because at some point you have to go, this is not a hobby. This is what I want to do for my, my life, really. I think I think I knew kind of right around that 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 time. Um, I, I had just started writing songs. I saw Martin Sexton play, which was a big influence for me, at least in the idea of getting on stage and mm-hmm. holding a room of 200, 300 people. Um, and... And, and I think my brother had a large part to do with that. My brother was born with autism, and um, uh, he did not speak. So music was one of these common languages. It was sort of a first language that we shared. But um, I, I think music and certainly writing songs and playing them in front of people became an extension of the uh, love and the, the show of love that I was seeing in my home and, um, and, and in caring for my brother and in helping him get showered and dressed and like all everything about what service providing looks like. I, I started seeing the same thing modeled in folk music and in troubadours and in what songs are for. You jumped ahead a little bit, but that's okay because it's a it's a good segue into a song that I know that you've written. Oh, sure, inspired yeah. by Jamie, your nonverbal yeah. autistic brother. And by the way, my yeah. condolences. I know he's he's no longer with us. And yeah, he sure. is. Well, but he's, he's in the certainly birds. not on this on in, in this plane. He's in the birds in the yeah. last album, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that was also a real gift, and the fact that our our relationship never was confined to an oral language, um, the transition of a dialogue with him in to whatever happens after this was like so it just it felt like turn i mean it, it took a bit to turn the page but it was really as simple as just kind of turning the page yeah it's a beautiful song it's an older one called love is a language yeah. seth clear on Brothers, I watched every bruise break. Him. 
Sing along to a song you love. <laughs> You're welcome to it. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to ruin anything. Hey, you have all the mute buttons on I, your side I, of the table. You're right. <laughs> I, I do. I, I just didn't want anybody to hear me singing because it's not good. It's not as good as you for sure. That is amazing. I love that song, and I've heard it done in a lot of different ways. But I, you know, in my head, I still hear harmonica with Joe. Right, right, the right. Violin, right. so good. What a great That's, solo. We just Thanks. did a. Uh, we just gathered with Joe a couple weeks ago. And and they had to sort of like mash up their arrangements. Oh. It was so fun. We made this thing for for our Patreon community, and uh, it was it was awesome to play that with with Joe and Kelly. It was yeah, so it was great. Fun. That's nice. Well, that's something to look forward to. The Patreon page. We'll get back to that. But I have to remember that this isn't possible, and I hate to interrupt our David. flow. David. Uh, David Palmer is is the yeah. reason I can do this. So I gotta thank I gotta, you, David Palmer. David Palmer is a realtor, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. He's my first sponsor. He's a guy who believes in me. Loved what I did on the radio so much so that when I threw up on a Facebook post. Hey, if you're liking the podcast, it's not going to continue unless I get some support. And he reached out and said, oh. what's that going to take to keep you on the air doing your podcast? And um, so that's great. he's got some specialties. And one of them actually just came up in conversation with a friend of mine. And for an unfortunate reason, her best friend lost grandmother and both parents to COVID in the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. But then after processing it for a bit, I remembered that David told me this is one of the things he specializes in, not the loss of three people at once. But you get to that point where you don't know what to do with all the stuff. Like, oh my God, I have to go through all the stuff. Yeah. A lifetime of stuff inside the home. And he's he's good at that. This is something inevitable for us to lose our parents. You know, we're kind of yeah. talking about the condition of my dad at this point. You know, I know at some point 
going to have to sell the home, going to have to get rid of the stuff. David Palmer's really, uh, this is something he's really good at. So if you're in the Ann Arbor Ipsy area, this is an area that he knows very well. He's your solution. He'll walk you through the steps. Maybe you're a first-time home buyer. That's something he's really good at. Maybe you had a bad experience as a first-time home buyer. He's going to pick up the pieces and make it a better experience for you. <laughs> uh, he cares about having a positive social impact. He's just a great human being all the way around. I want you to check out his website, DC, as in David, I don't know his middle name. We'll call it Chuck. It's not. Palmer.com and see how he can help you or someone you know buy a home. David Palmer is affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC. 1420 Washington, number 301. That's in Detroit at 48226. That phone number is 313-759-9558. And if you're watching this podcast on YouTube or Facebook, we're going to have some links below there for you. You can click on those as well. So back to Seth Clear and uh, kind of talking about your life and how your, your brother influenced that song, obviously. Mm -hmm. Has he been an influence on your lyrics all along? I mean, you're, I mean you, you were communicating with him in a nonverbal way, but now you're yeah. having to tell stories in your songs. And right. Maybe it helped. Um, I think he was certainly certainly a big one and certainly one that, you know, showed me, um, you know, we would have a whole, we would have a sort of a whole world in the morning. There would be a whole experience in the 50 minutes that it would take to get him up and get him ready for his day before I would go to school. So um, that gave, that just, that really flipped my lid upside down yeah. in, in the way of understanding that there's a lot of different realities going on. Um, but from there, uh, some of my real mentors were a lot of the folks that took me to come through Ann Arbor and play play at the Ark for the first time, folks like Livingston Taylor. In my notes. Um, Ellis Paul has remained to be, um, was a huge in influence early on and has become sort of one of my, one of my best friends. And um, saw you as a guest on one of his shows on his Patreon page. Yeah, yeah. We write together once a month or so, and um, and we've written some songs on each other's albums. And, um, uh, you know, folks like Livingston really instilled this sense of um, the Great American Songbook. And, um, you know, Harold Arlen and Hoagie Carmichael and Berlin and Jerome Kern and um, really knowing those songs, studying those lyrics, like I'll be friends with the sparrow and the boy who shoots the arrow <laughs> if I only had a heart. I and mean, just this masterful. And um, and where Ellis really exposed me to the world of Woody Guthrie right. and um, and Towns and um, and and these these troubadours that were putting um, sort of social political statements inside their songs, not in a preachy way, but doing it by implanting some of these things in in the lives of the characters that they were they were writing about. Um, and I think that that uh, diving into that music, learning how to love that music, really instilled the sense of um, how we tell a story has the power to change a story. Yeah. and um, and that that has has definitely reverberated through my my walls for the last 10 years. <laughs> was Livingston one of your instructors uh, when you were at Berkeley that year? Yeah, we met at Berkeley. I was I dropped out after a year and his class is only juniors and seniors. So it was actually a it was a lawyer that I had who set up a lunch for Liv and I. Um, my my attorney was was actually um, Cass Elliott's sister, oh. Leah Kunkel, who sang backgrounds on Handyman and um, for James and, yeah. and, and had her own record and is an amazing voice. But um, so, so through her, I, I had lunch at the Berkeley Calf with Liv, and I was like, I think I'm dropping out of college. And he's like, you should do that and come on the road with me. <laughs> and I was, and that's nice. kind of 
that's kind of what happened. <laughs> so there was no, did you spend any time being like a local musician before you took that leap to touring musician or you just, um, just kind of went out and went? Well, yeah, I, as much as I could in Western Mass, there was, for the most part, Western Mass had the infrastructure of, um, you know, I was waiting tables at the Iron Horse Music Hall mm -hmm. and working in the kitchen there, 16 and 17. And that's that was one room to play, but you can only play there once a year. And the rest was like a lot of open mics. And um, Western Mass has some really wonderful things, but it's not like New Orleans where you can make your living... <laughs> you know, playing clubs four nights a week. Sure. Yeah. Was there a, well, I mean, touring, you have to kind of decide piano versus guitar. You play both. Yeah. Clearly, because you're playing yeah. guitar today and piano was the first instrument I think I remember you playing on tour. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, piano piano is always my, my really, my predominant instrument and the, the one, my first love for sure. One thing about the Gateway song, as I mentioned, Gotta Get Away, uh -huh. the song that turned me into a fan. It's a piano song. It starts yeah. out with the pudding. And so yeah. in my head, you're always a pianist first. No matter what it was to you. <laughs> I, I play guitar because of something Alice Paul said to me on on tour. Pianos which, are heavy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, here's a chiropractor. Um, no. <laughs> Learn from Ben Folds, he knows. <laughs> no, I was, it was interesting. It was, I was, I was always a really good piano player. Um, uh, I mean, I worked on that, but, but for a singer-songwriter, like I, in college I was playing, I, what I would do for money is I would play on other people's records. So I played on Richard Chandel's records and Ancha Duvacott records and, and other things like that. So I was always, um, competent. <laughs> it wasn't just, it wasn't just, um, uh, four chords for me. And what Ellis said to me one night was, uh, that, that the piano playing is blinding some of the songwriting, like that, it that, you're a good songwriter, but perhaps people might not hear that through the initial impact of, wow, he's a good piano player. And so I picked up guitar in part because I didn't really know how to do it. And um, uh, and I think the first song I wrote on guitar was a song called Plastic Soldiers uh, with, 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 with Ellis. Um, and it just it just changed the, the, the lane a little bit because I am not virtuosic uh on on this instrument at all but um but it informs a different it's a different part of me yeah so you don't really have a preference necessarily well i guess when it comes to songwriting maybe it's easier to write on guitar um well it's certainly more portable they're very different like for instance even on that that last song love is a language i i wrote um you know it's a very rhythmic song so i had that on guitar and and um, and I had the chorus, but when it came to a bridge, I actually wasn't finding it on this instrument. I didn't really know where to go. And then when I transposed this down to a piano part and figured out what I was doing, I was able to find a chord that I hadn't, I, I wouldn't have found um, on on the instrument. I was I was so I would I would find different um, I don't know different like footpaths. It's like if you're hiking a mountain, there's a lot of ways to get to the top of it. I saw a quote on your website that I don't remember seeing before, and it really stood out to me because I, I agree, but it's a good to me. It's a good thing, and you obviously thought so too. The music of Seth Glear veers towards being undefinable. Paste Magazine, indefinable, not undefinable. Oh, great! That that about sums it up because there are artists that you hear and you go, like, I love David Wilcox, but if I want to turn him on to somebody, I go, well, if you like James Taylor, you probably like David Wilcox. Uh -huh. I can't do that with you. I don't have like a point of comparison. It's yeah. Seth Glear is Seth Glear. He's he's unique. He's 
I don't think <laughs> that that quote sums it up. He's indefinable. Well, that's a good thing, unless you're trying to be insulting. And I hope you don't work. <laughs> I don't know. You, you could take it as insulting. I, I don't. Yeah, I try not to take anything as insulting. But um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that cuts both ways. I'm sure I've had conversations with my record label about, <laughs> about <laughs> Where, that. What, what box do we put? Yeah. In? Couldn't you just pick a lane by now? No. Um, but uh yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's one of the great things about this new, this, I'm 32, so I, I don't, um, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm certainly not going to be a pop star <laughs> and, and, and past that. And, and when I'm looking at this next generation of songwriters that are coming up, one of the things that excites me the most about it is how genre is just evaporated it's just gone it right. doesn't it didn't matter before it was a thing that was created ultimately to 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 for capitalistic purposes and um and it's one of the things that i'm i'm really excited about um the the flip side is i also find that a lot of music sounds the same now <laughs> that's another good point um so i i do think that there's there's um there's there's a way, but I, I like a great example is I'm a big uh, fan of John Baptiste, and that's someone who dances between genres all the time, mm -hmm. and it is um, completely you know irrelevant to uh, to his success and certainly to the experience of of his of his musicianship. Well, you surrounded yourself with great musicians, Kelly included, uh, tours with Ryan Hummel, we mentioned, tours mm -hmm. with Joe Nerny. Do you have any highlights of these tours that you can think of as far as, uh, not? you've done solo tours too, I've seen you mm -hmm. do the, the solo thing. Mm -hmm. Would, th think of a tour highlight that might include, uh, I don't know, either or all three. Um, oh, Kelly, do you have some, you might, uh, let such me. such a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. It's it's so hard to tell because there's this huge space in between touring before oh, yeah. COVID yeah. and after. Yeah. The year and a half. So was... I'm bringing up memories of like <laughs> two weeks ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and I'm, I can't even think of. I don't know. A highlight this morning was us um, uh, doing our rapid COVID test this morning and trying to find, uh, read the directions and just try to be safe. And it was just, it was, it brought us both into very much into the moment of, of all of this, but also into the humor of how <laughs> terrible things are. Yeah. Um, this is what I have to do to go to work. Yeah, yeah. And and I wish more people understood that. Um, one highlight that I'm remembering is, is actually one with Joe. And uh, it was like the first couple weeks of touring with Joe. Again, we knew each other for a long time. And um, for those of you who are just kind of coming into my world right now, thank you. And um, some context around Joe is that Joe um, uh, was sight, Joe is sightless. And um, so Joe would normally be, would always be in the passenger seat. Um, oh, I and, hope so. And, uh, and, and one morning we did a day trotter taping and we were rolling pretty hard in the first couple of weeks of, of that tour. We're not pacing ourselves. And, um, and so Joe's reaching down and, and we had just come from Michigan and someone had, had given us a bunch of, uh, um, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, which is my favorite beer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
<laughs> and so Joe Joe reaches in and clinks around and he opens up a beer and he starts drinking it on our out on our way out of Davenport, Iowa. Uh, and then he mm. and he finishes it and then, and then he goes, Ah, oh, well the beer I had for breakfast wasn't so bad, I'll have one for dessert. And he, he had another one. And I had not uh then we had a whole conversation about Chris Christopherson when I had not known that song. I um I didn't know the world of Chris Christopherson. I didn't know that song either. What and, song is that? Uh Sunday morning coming down. I don't know. Song. It's an it's an amazing uh, amazing song. And fast forward three months later, we're on the Kayamo cruise, and I'm I'm with Joe, and we're doing an in the round, and it's myself, Holly Williams, Joe Purdy, and Chris Christopherson <laughs> decided to sit in and just be the special <laughs> guest. And so we're all pinching ourselves and having a, a blast. And then and then uh, uh, Chris starts doing Sunday morning coming down, and I. I'm sitting there at the piano. No one's going to touch their instrument. It's, it's like there's so much respect for Chris. Sure. And I see Joe. And he's <laughs> tapping in his pocket. And he's, he's, he sees he's got a harmonica. Yeah. And it's in the key of the song. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Dude. First verse goes, nothing. Second verse goes, nothing. Third verse, he's just patient, waits, comes in. And 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 it's just melted everyone in the room. That's awesome. And it was just this amazing moment. And at the end of the song, Chris looks over at Joe and waves at him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes we forget, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, it was it was just it was great. It was That's those awesome. kinds of things where you realize like just 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 ride. <laughs> just buckle up and ride. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. He was such a great his voice, for one thing, is just like perfect radio voice. Well, yeah, and he taught broadcasting for a number of years. Yeah. He, that was that was his his world. And and when as radio switched to more of a digital format, it really um, uh, uh, he was very isolated by that transition. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Well, something cool that happened to you along the way is one of your albums got nominated for a Grammy, and it's yeah it's cool. Unfortunately, it wasn't necessarily for songs or performance. It was the best engineered or something like that. Yeah. Right? But still cool. But like, how did that really affect you? Like, did you go, Oh, I've been nominated for a Grammy or wait, no, my record was nominated for a Grammy. Oh, does it I feel mean, like you or does it feel like your record got nominated? Um, both. I, I engineered the album oh, in my parents' it. basement. Oh, you did it. So yeah. I didn't know that. So I, yes. And well, high five. Oh, uh, high five. <laughs> indie, indie artists don't normally get that kind of recognition. Yeah. It was, um, I, I also got really lucky. I happened to, um, uh, there's a guy named Kevin Killen who mixed that album mm -hmm. and he did like U2's Joshua Tree and Peter Gabriel's So. So he was like, he was a cool kid in high school. Yeah, no, and, uh, and then, you know, and then we all went to prom together. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, it was great. It, I found out on Twitter while watching Family Guy with Ryan in Denver, and um, and it changed about a year of my life tremendously. Hmm. Um, and it changed a lot about my life. I mean, it's still one of those things that, um, you know, it, it's not every gig, but then there's those gigs where it's like, oh, I, I, if it wasn't for the Grammys, I would not be hmm. in this like. <laughs> Playing around this campfire in Denali for these people, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's wacky and wonderful, and um, and I I think you and I have talked maybe a couple times around how I think it also served a little bit as a distraction for me um, in regard it it took me it took my eye off the ball which which was and now remains to be 
um, a three-minute time capsule in a room of 200 people. And that's the whole thing for me. It all revolves around that. Um, it's all about the song. And I, I, you know, the Grammys just brought other distractions along yeah. the way. Yeah. Well, the new album is great. Maybe it'll get nominated for a Grammy for the right reasons. Songwriting. <laughs> I mean, not, not that engineering is not the right reason. Ain't no such thing as the wrong reason. No, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think most people like a best new artist thing, which clearly you're beyond that. That, that, that carries a heavier weight in most people's eyes. But Sure, sure. But this is a great time to transition to another song from The Coronation. Yeah. What would you like to do? What would you and Kelly like to do? Because Kelly has to play it too. Yeah, this is a song um, that I wrote with uh, uh, our, our, our mutual friend uh, Maya Sharp oh. and um, this is called Breathing It Back it was inspired by a line of poetry um, uh, after I took my, my brother's ashes to Ireland and, and um, let him go on the cliffs of Moor mm. uh, a couple weeks later I came across this line of poetry which was uh, prayer flag, war flag makes no difference to the wind and, uh, and I, I, I love that so this is called Breathing It Back beautiful
everything back from the new album, The Coronation, Seth Glear on Acoustic Alternatives. I'm so glad you brought Kelly with you. She's really adding a lot to the session. Oh, thanks. Thank you for being here, Kelly. I really, 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 I mean, you don't have to be. You could have been sitting in the car enjoying lunch or something. I I much prefer being here with you. I'm sure you do. Well, this is a great transition into talking about songwriting, because I wrote some notes about uh, songs from new albums and favorite lyrics and think about favorite lyrics from previous albums uh we just you, you threw plastic soldiers out there that's definitely one man i used to be walk katie home gotta get away all ones that really reached me lyrically uh for my if i could change one thing standing still changed, oh, yeah, that yeah. changed my i mean i already liked you but that changed my opinion of you and it changed me because oh. it made me want to be more like you in that regard the standing still song just hit me in a way that i couldn't like oh he's damn right mm. stop just like talking about doing stuff actually do stuff if you're gonna do it, like walk the walk, right? Fool them again, Kelly. <laughs> Fool them again. Well, you had me fooled. But thank you, thank I, you. On the song you just played, I had it in my notes. Um, it's kind of like the antithesis of a song. We've all been through some difficult things in the last year and a half, two years. Mm. The Louis Capaldi lyric from one of his songs was, uh, "Time heals, but this won't." Oh yeah. And you've given me the opposite lyric in this song. Yeah. I'm okay, but I'm about to, I'm not okay, but I'm about to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I heard that and I'm like, oh God. Yeah. I hope so. I think like <laughs> just realizing, just naming that you're not okay is such a radical thing in this time where we're constantly trying to perform um perfection to one another and and perform um uh to perform our our knowledge or how we are in the world but but um but yeah just to acknowledge that no i'm 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 not my best right now that's so totally we need to normalize that i'm not i haven't been i don't don't know how you've been but it's been it's been a rough been a rough ride yeah so your song helps thank you well thank you uh, one of the songs that I like on the album that you're not doing today, I don't think, but I don't completely understand it. And I think, well, I can just ask him because yeah. he's there. It's the gift. If you're going to betray me, don't tell me it's a gift. Yeah. Please explain why I don't understand that. Why? What am I missing? If you're going to betray me, don't tell me. So, um, yeah, let me let me let me back up and kind of go into it. Uh, the um, the first lyric: Somebody taught it to you. You learned it from them. Uh, to me, the this song was inspired by. Um, a relationship that I um, had with a family member where the tactic of communication that was being utilized was gaslighting. And, um, uh, and I think that oftentimes when you were dealing with abuse, the uh, perpetrator can, uh, um, can say things like, look what you made me do. Or um, I wouldn't have to be like this um, uh, if it wasn't for your needs. Those kinds of that 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 kind of dichotomy of language, and um, uh, so so that song was much more about reclaiming a narrative and reclaiming a a, a sort of power in a way. It's a tough song. Yeah. Thanks for explaining a little bit better, and I hope that wasn't difficult for you to do. A little. <laughs> oh no! Of course. I mean, I mean, I, uh, I mean, this is this this is what we do, and and the bridge there too is is like I know hurt people hurt people, which, um, uh, 
I think it's also this recognition that this kind of leads into this this next song. Um, uh, a real hero of mine and someone who um, whose values kind of elbowed their way into this album was Malala Yousafzai. And um, I, one of the things I do um, to just kind of uh, pass my time in the evenings as I get lost in the deep, um, dark hull of YouTube suggested um, videos. <laughs> Easy to do. Yeah, and I uh, I came across this interview of Malala Yousafzai um, being interviewed shortly after accepting her Nobel Peace Prize, and she was uh, she was asked, "What would you say?" If, to the two members of the Taliban who had tried to kill you if you were ever reunited with them. And she paused and her answer was that she would thank them because if it wasn't for them, she wouldn't have the platform that she does to talk about all the wonderful things she talks about. And I thought that, so she wasn't, she wasn't excusing their behavior, but I think what she was doing was um, offering an exquisite example of what blaming responsibly looks like yeah if you're going to blame someone for all the crap in your life you also have to give them credit for all the inevitable flowers that are going to grow from that place um yeah. so a lot of that came into the gift the gift might have been um the first version of that and then and then i also wrote a song um inspired by malala's uh quote if it wasn't for you yeah. um yeah yeah we'll get to that one I'm cool. not done asking questions. All right, no, 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 no I I'm one. not going to jump into it. <laughs> what, <laughs> what level of rage were you at when you wrote Another Day in America? Because that, that's sort of another, like, it's uh, it's softly written, but it's still like, damn it, I'm angry. Oh, man. Um, yeah, you know, that's a song that I have yet to figure out how to really do live because I, I kind of, uh, I the cynical part of me, you know, says to the sound guy, lock the doors. <laughs> You know, don't make, let anyone leave. It's going to make them upset. No, yeah. you're just telling the truth. Um, that, you know, that song was also, I got to give um, some credit to really a perspective change on that one. Um, I We went to Canada for a few days to play the Stan Rogers Folk Festival. Mm -hmm. And I was in Canada and I was talking to a person um, who was American uh, and and her, her daughter um, wanted light up shoes for, for the start of school. And that was all, all she was talking about. So of course the, the mother got light up shoes and was, was waiting. They were under her bed and they were waiting to give them to her daughter until a couple weeks before school started. And a couple weeks before school started, her daughter's, um, daughter changed the tone a little bit. So actually I, I, I don't want light up shoes at all. And the mother was like, what, why? And and the daughter said, well, I'm afraid that if, if there's a shooter, they'll see me running down the hallway. And, um, and I just sat with her there and, and had to deal with what that, I mean, that was, that was a, I, I was really grieving that. We were both grieving that because it was just such a loss of innocence. And I remember running down the hill and, and seeing Kelly and, and our, our bassist Rachel and just sharing that story. Um, so I held that story in me for about six months to six months to eight months or so, trying to find different angles. I was also at the time working with um, Peter Yarrow, um, writing songs with the students uh, um, uh, in Parkland, Florida, and um, it was it was sort of part of this program where they send songwriters down there to 
process and um and they made a record and they were looking for anthems for their march um it was an amazing uh amazing time uh and then i wrote this song in nashville uh with with my friend john vesner and um and kathy matea uh, john's partner was sort of in and out of the room and and would 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 be like you guys sound too liberal <laughs> she she was she was a she was a great editor of like don't say that. Um, it was hard. It was a very hard song to get right because um, uh, I wanted. It's it's one of those subjects where people um, uh, can get really tribal really quickly on, and I and I wanted to keep it in the sense of. Um, to bring everyone back into that place of, of what innocence feels like as a child. And we've all lost some. Um, and and <laughs> we all lose so much each day. Um, yeah, yeah. You wrote one of the greatest love songs of all time. Where have you Where been? Where have you been? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. God. True story about his, yeah, about his, 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 his parents. I just learned that today while interviewing Larry Gross because Kathy's taking over Larry's position at Mountain Stage. Right. And he just told me that that's about... Her yeah. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I did not parents. know that. Yeah. Another song on the record, till further notice, really encapsulates the period we're in right now. And I think as we look back on this decades from now, that's going to be something. People are going to turn to music to kind of remember what we were going through. Yeah. And I think that's one people will go back to and it'll help them. We were just talking at breakfast about that. I was like, should I play that song tonight? And and we were like, I don't, I don't know if people want that right now. I think you were right that people will turn back to it. Yeah. But it's it's. I don't think people wanna. We're living it. Right we're now. living it. Yeah. It's too soon. <laughs> it's like the ads on the radio here during these difficult times. Shut up! I know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm fully aware. Yeah. It's a difficult. It's time. like I hope this finds you well. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm not it, really. doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It <laughs> doesn't. Something you did on this record that you've never done before is include another voice and starting out a song. That's an unusual yeah. move. Poison in the roots. Tell me yeah. about that. Um, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of premeditated thought in it. I wrote the song with, uh, my friend Steve Seskin. It was, um, inspired, uh, in part by, uh, the death of George Floyd. And also, um, I, I, um, I had a lot of regret. I did a gig last summer in the, in the height of COVID. I flew out, um, to Montana to play what was the only gig that wasn't going to get canceled last year. And I felt a lot of shame coming back for, for choosing capitalism over the safety of, um, of other people. And I, and I was thinking a lot about how capitalism wraps around, um, wraps around racism. And um, they are they are linked at the root. Uh, and then I sent the the demo to my manager, who also manages this, this incredible artist named Everett Bradley. And Everett sings with uh, Hall and Oates, and he's in Springsteen's E Street Band, uh, and just an all around awesome awesome guy. And he loved the song. And I said, "How could we make this a duet?" And like, just have with it. I sent him some tracks and uh, he took the first verse. Um, we didn't really talk about it. He took the first verse and sent some some congas and a cajon part. And, uh, and it just felt, it felt right. Yeah. There were a lot of things like that 
throughout this year where collaboration, I think a lot of, a lot of artists were more open to collaborating this year um, than certainly in, in, in my experience in previous years. Um, and, and, uh, and Everett, yeah, he changed the song. I mean, it, literally, it just, it became, uh, it became so much uh, wider. Well, people want to hear that one. They're going to have to pick up the coronation. You can find it online on all the various sites. You can stream it, though. I think the best way for you to actually make your money doing what you do for a living is people buy it physically. Is that true? Yeah, buying it from a show helps. Um, buying it from my website helps. Um, and probably the best way to support me uh, is through the Patreon, Patreon. format, um, which is the way I explain it is it's sort of like a CSA model yes. uh, for independent artists. If you like, if you like some of the uh, the, the fruit that we put out there, um, you're you're participating in us. Um, you know, making sure we can we can turn over the soil and plant new seeds, and uh, and it's it's that has really pretty much changed um, so much about my creative. Um, sustainability and my creative flexibility. I don't think I would have been able to dive into so many different genres this year if it uh, wasn't for my Patreon community. And also, I don't, I don't know if you and I have talked about this yet, but one of the things, and I'm going on, I'm just rambling at this point, but one of the things I loved about the, the pandemic was I started doing these weekly live streams for, for my Patreon community. And by like May, June, I was just so sick of my own songs. So then I did like standards night or I did like a Nina Simone night. Mm. And I, there were, there was growth in exploring those, those sort of thematic nights that, that touring would never have allowed to happen. Like I couldn't just show up in the arc and say like, I'm, uh, yeah, we're going to do the like Rat Pack stuff tonight, guys. <laughs> Strap in. Uh, <laughs> I I'd be there for that. <laughs> and, um, but, but it was, it was really that something like that. Um, I, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to, how to implement more of that stuff into my life. And Patreon is, is one of the ways that I do that. Well, let's encourage people to look that up. All right, one more song from the new record? Yeah, of course. We talked about it already. Yeah, this is, um, as I mentioned, this was inspired by um, Malala, and I, I wanted to write this song. Um, uh, you know, she said if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for the, the two members of the Taliban, she would, she would be in a different place. And so I wanted to write this song as a letter to your, written to your perpetrator, but also make sure that the language in it from top to bottom could be, if you, were, if you didn't know the story and you were just listening to the first time, that it could be scanned as a love song, because I think that that's ultimately what, what, what that sentiment is. Um, yeah, this is called If It Wasn't For You. Forever in a moment 
wasn't for you Can't imagine who I'd be You're such a part of me, a part of me You were the proof The truth I needed to believe I don't know what I'd do If it wasn't for through the armor water under the bridge the things that I got over standing on your shoulder if it wasn't for you I can't imagine who I'd be you're such a part of me a part of me you were the proof truth I needed to believe I don't know what I did unmute myself for one of the oohs. Yes. <laughs> what a great experience to have both of you here. This was incredible. Ah, oh, it's good to be with you. Again. I have more questions. I'm not going to do them today. <laughs> We're kind of out of time. And I'm really grateful to both of you uh, for, for being this uh, ex great guests on the show. Uh, grateful to David Palmer for letting me do this. Thank uh, you, David Palmer. David Palmer, dcpalmer.com, Palmer. DC affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226 313 759.
9558. I have so many guests I want to book, but I'm holding off because the sponsorship money, it's running out. So <laughs> I bet <laughs> made it's Charles, not Chuck. Probably Charles. It could be a Charles. David Charles. That sounds that sounds like a realtor. That he's, sounds very sophisticated. He's going to speak up and let me know. Yeah. But if you're if you've been enjoying the podcast, we want to thank Grove Studios for for being hosts first of all. If it wasn't for Grove, I wouldn't even be here. They invited me to do a podcast in the fall of last year and said, "We want you to do your own." They wanted me to be a guest and then they wanted me to do my ah, own. So nice. without this fantastic space in Ypsilanti that I've been doing the podcast from mostly, except for one exception, um this wouldn't even be happening without them. So if you're a musician in the area and you're looking for a place to get out of your garage and need a place to practice, Grove Studios. I'm going I'm to give these guys a tour in a minute to show the other cool. studios. But cool. podcasts obviously can be done from here if you're looking for that. If you're a DJ and you don't want to make noise to you know, disturb your neighbors, there's a room for that. So lots of options. Check out Grove Studios online. Follow their Facebook page. They throw events. It's a, it's a really cool organization that I've been invited to be part of. And again, thanks to everybody who makes it possible. Seth Clear's new album right here. It's called... The Coronation. Thanks again. And we'll have another episode coming up soon. I believe the next guests will be the Accidentals. Mm. So stick around for that. Thanks for being here. Thank you.